Welcome to Punchboard Paradise, coming to you from the heartland of America in Omaha, Nebraska, where we discuss the world of tabletop games, the topics that affect the board game community, and give honest and fair reviews of the industry's hottest games. In episode 37, the Punchboarders talk about what we've been playing. We head over to Clef's for a, oh, well, not a Kickstarter corner, but a pre-order corner. And then we're going to review City of the Big Shoulders. Hi, everybody. I'm Clef. Hey, I'm Chad. No, I'm Richie. So I did something the other day that I've not done since Extra Life. I was up for more than 24 hours straight. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was here to witness that. <laughs> yeah. I, I was here first, and he was watching, I don't know, I think he was watching like a Leonardo DiCaprio movie or something when it I came was, down. It was the greatest showman. Okay. Okay. Uh, something about like the same. that. It's about and the I, same. I, I was like, hey. It looked like he had fallen asleep sort of in his recliner, and and because hey. it was my it was my birthday game day, and he was like, uh, hey. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I was like, that does not bode well for birthday game day. Yeah. Well, yeah, the day before, I had to go to, I had to be at work at five o'clock in the morning. So I was up at like 4.30. And then the, that night was my normal Friday night gaming night. So we started playing games at around seven. So we played another game of City of the Big Shoulders. And then we played, uh, after we got done with that, we chatted for a while. And then we played a game of Deluvia Project. And by the time we got done with that, it was close to about 3.30 in the morning. And so, of course, we should have went to bed. But for some reason, we decided to go to uh, IHOP to have breakfast. <laughs> you know, you're lucky that board games are your vice. Otherwise, I mean, you would just be like a degenerate gambler. Oh, or... oh I'd be bad. <laughs> yeah. 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 It'd be bad. And so then I was like, I didn't get home until like 5.30. So there's where I was up for 24 hours. And then I had to be up by 9 o'clock the next morning to uh, for your board game birthday day. But, you know, hey. I did okay. And we went all day. Yeah, we did. Yeah, I, uh, he fell asleep during most of my rules teaches for yeah, games, but that's I didn't all right. need him. I would say, honestly, really that not. you play the best when you're half asleep during the rules <laughs> teach, really. Yeah, he won that Lorenzo at Extra yeah, well, Life the same way. Mm -hmm. When I have to think about it, that's when I get in trouble if I just do things that <laughs> much better. Autopilot is the way to go. Yeah, absolutely. But- I want to talk to you guys about Deluvia Project because this was actually kind of a neat, interesting game that I, I played. I want to hear about it because I I, I pre-ordered a copy or whatever from Miniature Market, so okay. mine hasn't come yet. I'm curious. So originally this game was from uh, Spielworks, um, but it's gotten a reprint from TMG. And my understanding is I've never played the Spielworks version. I have, I have not seen it, but my understanding is they cleaned up the rules a little bit, maybe made a couple of changes. I'm not 100% positive on what those are. I can just talk about the TMG version. But um, it's it's a typical Euro game where you are having, you know, so many actions that you're able to take on your turn. And those actions that you take are going to you know, kind of dictate kind of almost like kind of an engine builder where you're laying these tiles out on, uh, I think you're supposed to be in the clouds or something and laying these tiles out there or whatever. Well, you guys know me with theme, but anyways, <laughs> you're laying these tiles out. When you lay a tile out, it will allow you to either bump up your income or your resource production or your prestige income. So when you put that building out, you'll choose kind of which side you want to put it on, and then that will bump those up to kind of 
give you at the beginning of the round, you'll kind of have that, um, or I believe it's at the end of the round, actually, you'll get those things. So like I said, either money, obviously, or resource cubes, which are using these the research cubes to build these buildings, or the prestige. Now, at first, everybody was kind of like, oh, okay, I'm going to really go after the money and the, and the uh, resource because that was kind of what's driving you. But there was about halfway through the game, you realized, ooh, I better get this prestige track going because it was like every time that you hit a every 10, so you would trigger and score so many points for how many buildings you had built. So like you might have been like, say, five or six points. So every time you were going over like 10, 20, 30, 40, every time you would trigger, you would score those points. And if you got your prestige up high enough, like I think at the end of the game, I was like at 20 something prestige. So I'm hitting two to three bumps every time I go into income and I was scoring a ton of points. And the other player who was playing, uh, Brent, he figured it out about the same time I did. Uh, actually, he, you know, we kind of went a little bit different strategies, but kind of ended up in the same spot. And we ended up tying the game, but it was it was a really interesting game there at the end. Where at first I was kind of like, "Eh, I'm not sure I like this," but as the game went on, I was kind of like, "Yeah, okay, this is this is kind of interesting. I, I enjoyed it." Cool. Well, I'll look forward to to getting that. That I mean, I had heard that this was kind of an interesting one with the push and pull of what tracks you're you're choosing, and and so prestige is is not necessarily victory points. No. It's just the opportunity to score. Right. Them. It just it triggers more victory points. Yeah, and. The there are four resources that are in the game that help you build these different buildings, and I can't remember the name, the colors of them, but they're like like a teal and a and a tan and a black and a and a brown or whatever. And in the rule book, you know what those resources are called: the brown cube, the teal cube, the white cube. <laughs> I was like, this is the greatest rule book ever. No senseless theme for this. Just tell me the color of the cube. <laughs> There you go. Just after <laughs> your heart. That's perfect. Well, that sounds great. Uh, it's So that's Deluvia Project from TMG. And Alexander Garcia, I think, is the designer who I, I actually don't I don't know if he's designed other games, but I hadn't, I hadn't heard his name oh, before. I haven't so. heard of him either. Not sure. So. Did you play it at the full player count? Played at the full player count. Four players. Yep. So. Did you like that or do you think less? Um, I actually think four was good for it because okay. it makes it a little more, uh, I wouldn't call it necessarily area control, but you're definitely battling for different spots out on the board. It also has what I would say is is the uh, oh what is the field game Amerigo, you know an Amerigo mm, yeah. where you have to kind of build your or you have to do the action to plan your buildings before you put them out onto the board. This was similar to that where you had to have an action where you actually had to put cubes out on the board to kind of stake your place out there. Then you had to take another action to actually build them. And the other thing that this game had that was was interesting was it had a grande worker. Now. You know, I don't know if it called it a grande worker, but it was one worker that was, you know, larger than the others. Now, unlike Viticulture, where it made you be able to go to a spot that somebody else had already been, it didn't do that. But it was if you ever used your grande worker at a location before anybody else did, you got a bonus for going there. So it was a normal old worker, besides it would first one there and the bonuses were usually fairly good things you know like extra resources or extra spots that you could you know you could map out your plans to build for or you know extra building all kind of or just extra victory points sometimes so they were very interesting in that fact of um the grande worker is just kind of a you almost would be like well i want to go there but that's already been taken with the grande worker so maybe i'm going to go do this other thing because it might you know trigger something with it hmm. 
Sounds good. Yeah, I definitely. As soon as you get it, Chad, we'll get it to the table. We'll get it taught. Excellent. I realized something last time when we talked about Gen Con so much, because we were so excited to talk about Gen Con, that we didn't talk about Gen Cant, which I helped volunteer at the game shop for. So the game shop here in Omaha had a really nice uh, event. It was They were pop-ups for Gen Cant, which Gen Cant is kind of doing a... a from Gen Con doing sort of a branding thing this year, which with some of the, with some of the um, stores, it's called Gen Con pop-up is really what it's called because if they did Gen Can't, they'd have to rebrand and all this stuff. So they're just kind of calling it Gen Con pop-up. But anyway, it was Gen, Gen Can't and it was a really nice event where there were some play to win games and various things like that. We gave away some stuff. I demoed a few games. Actually, Finn came with me, my son, and he demoed uh, Trap Words a couple of times for people, which was was fun to watch him do that. But uh, one of the games that I taught and that I had played actually with Richie uh, a couple nights before was a game by AEG called Point Salad. So just like the kind of making fun sort of tongue in cheek with with a lot of fell type games where those games where you get points for everything. And this game, this card game is like that. Now, it's designed by Molly Johnson, Robert, uh, Melvin, Sean Stinkwich. So they uh, they designed the game, but it's just a simple card game. The, The best thing about this game, I think, is that it's really easy to teach. I mean, it's a couple sentences. So you have all these cards and on the on one side of the cards are just vegetables. There's peppers and tomatoes and carrots and all these different vegetables, basically. And they're in a grid out there. And then on top, there are other cards that are actually uh, scoring cards that are objective. That's the other side of the card, essentially. So what you're doing is you're either taking two vegetables per turn or you're taking one of those objectives cards. And basically what those do are score this many, uh, score as many peppers as you have. Or if you have the most of this vegetable, you get to score it. Or tomatoes count as minus points and and these carrots count as plus two points or whatever. And it that's all you're doing. But it's it's really it's a really simple game to get going with people and it's kind of a fun game because you can see quickly uh, at a glance what other people need too and so you can kind of hate draft a little bit too. So that was that was a fun game. I mean, Richie, what did you think of it? Yeah, I liked it for a little quick drafting game. Like I could see that easily taking the place of like Sushi Go or something like that. It, it's about that weight and easy to get into, easy to get the family into as well. Right. Yeah. Very light. And 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 that was kind of what what we demoed at Gen Con, uh, Gen Cant or Gen Con pop up because I mean obviously at those kind of events you're just trying to introduce people to some of these new games coming out. But that was a nice one. And the other one I want to talk about really quick. And Richie, you haven't played this. This is called Medium, and it just came out at the Gen Con, uh, the Gen Con event and medium is designed by Danielle Deli, uh, Lindsay Sherwood and Nathan Thornton. And it's from greater than games, I believe. And this for me, medium actually, it takes the place of the mind for me, actually. It's the, it's what I want the mind to be. So in this game, you have a bunch of stacks of cards in this box, and you, and these cards have just words on them. And you are going to combine two of these stacks together, basically, and shuffle them up. And then you're going to break it into thirds, basically. And 
uh, you will, I think it's thirds. Anyway, you have these cracked crystal ball cards and they're the timer to end the game basically. So you shuffle that into the bottom of the deck essentially is what you're doing. And then you shuffle, uh, you shuffle a, a starting hand of cards out for everybody. And then there's going to be a stack in the center to draw more cards from. And what people are doing is each round they're going around and they are playing one card down to the person to the left of them. And then that person looks at that card and they play another card from their hand. And then at that point, simultaneously, the two players have to say the same word after that. So an example of this is, and I did this with my nine-year-old. It was pretty, pretty funny. I played a card that said Shakespeare. And then he looked at it for a second and played a card from his hand that said cup. And then so I said three, two, one. And we both said Hamlet. I was pretty proud of him. Anyway, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Um, if you didn't get that that first one, and I said uh, Hamlet, and he said poisoned, for example, then then we would do it again. But our two new words would be Hamlet and poisoned, and we'd have to see if we could get it again. But there are these point chits in the center, and so you get the face down the higher point chits to pick from if you get it the first time. The second time you get lower, and then you have one more try to do it, and and you get that. And basically, your points in the end of the game are between you on either side. So you're sharing points with the person to the left and the right of you. So you're adding those points together at the end of the game, which which is the timer for the crystal balls. Hmm. So it's a it's a fun little light party game, but that's where you're doing that mind connection stuff, and it's kind of interesting because you don't want to go. I found you don't want to go too specific right away because if you do like. You know, here we had one, I think that was like hero and uh, veteran or something like that. I don't remember. And if we, somebody said Captain America and I said something else, if you go down that road of really specific right away, then you have that to mix with another word and it can be really tough. But I, I really enjoyed it. There are some cards in the deck that break the rules too, but I haven't played with them yet. So, and we won it actually. We won the game at, uh, at Gen Con. Finn won it actually. It's his game. So we won it and we've taken it home and played with it and had a good time oh nice. you want a copy of it there yeah yeah oh, i thought you meant you won the game uh, that you and finn played together. no we we we, okay. we we played pretty miserably <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but we still had you a great the time first with one. It. <laughs> yeah 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 so that's uh that's medium hmm. okay it's interesting richie what about you what have you been playing well i got in another play of uh selenia because actually on your birthday day we played uh, black angel and then that reminded me that i had selenia sitting at home so uh, we busted that out and played it again and so if you've ever seen Black Angel, the planet part of that is what they kind of stripped out and turned into a game as well. So this is from Pearl Games and Sebastian looking at Chad for du the Jardin. last name. Yep, that's what I need it. Yep. And in this, it, this is a much lighter game than Black Angel. Uh, really, the only thing that they have in common is that you, you'll you have this planet that you're kind of going through and that you'll have a giant airship. Uh, and then that's where the that's where it ends. That's basically where it ends. <laughs> so you'll have a deck of 16 cards. Everyone has a deck of 16 cards. You'll shuffle those up. You'll draw three. And then on your turn, you're going to play down a card to the game board. You have to play down a card to the game board. And either adjacent to the airship or adjacent to another card that you've laid down. And what you're trying to do is, uh, this is kind of like a resource management, hand management game, where when you play down one of those cards, there are production islands. And then there are, uh, I think they call them floating city islands. And the floating city islands are either in the light or the dark there's something about theme in this game i promise you it does not matter good it's something about delivering this, this planet half the planets in dark half the planets in light and something about delivering goods 
to the people who sure. cares. Yep. Anyways, <laughs> so when you uh, play down at one of these cards, and the cards are actually pretty cool because they have holes cut out in the middle so that you can see through the card and see what you're laying on top of. Uh, but when you lay down a card, they'll all have a value of either zero, one, or two. And if you lay it on a production island, it will give you that many goods. So if you lay down a two on top of a wood production island, you're going to get two wood. And you're collecting these resources because when you go to the floating cities, you're going to be delivering those. And there is um, there's open orders for each the light for the light cities and the dark cities that are out that people are trying to go for and get. And that's where you're going to get most of your points when you deliver those uh, goods there. But the other cool thing, and actually this does have something that in common with Black Angel as far as when the airship moves so anytime you play a zero card down that will activate the airship so the airship doesn't technically move actually the board is what's going to move and the airship will stay where it's at uh, but it's slowly going into a different hemisphere of that planet uh, but when that happens the boards that are on, or the board that's at the back is going to come off flip and go to the front and then every card that was on that board will be expelled and then it will activate again so and it will either give you points it will give you resources and i mean that's really it you're trying to manage your resources that are on your board because you are limited to eight spaces and you're just trying to get those points and trying to set it up so that when uh, that board or when those cards get expelled, yours are getting expelled at the right time. So you're getting the resources that you need to score more points. And that's it. You play through your whole deck. That's the game. So there's 16 rounds, but obviously they're pretty quick since you're only playing one card. And there you go. There is an advanced variant. I have not played with it yet, so I don't really remember. But something, it gives you powers when you make deliveries, essentially. So you, you can be a little different than everyone else as you're playing throughout the game. Hmm. Uh, and that's really it. So that sound much like Black Angel? Well, just, I mean, that part of it and sort of the planning to score certain things as they drop off and, and those those kinds of things. I mean, obviously, they just took that mechanism straight from it, which would be interesting. I guess it sounds like a, a lighter game when we'll talk about Black Angel more at a later date. But, uh, I, you know, did you like did you like the fact that it was a, a lighter piece of that or? Um, I, I want to play Black Angel more before. OK, well, I, I this is a it's a good light game. Uh, it's a good family weight game. Jessica really enjoys it. And I definitely want to play it with more people. So I think if you have a lot more cards out there, which also will make it harder for you to do what you want to do. I was just going to so, ask if you just played it at two or not. Yeah, so. still, I've gotten two plays of it, but they've both been at two players. Okay. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll definitely get a chance to talk about that. So I want to talk about one more game from your birthday game day here before we move on. Ooh, okay. And... Uh, that's because this was my best game ever when we actually put out all the cubes of Age of Steam. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to let this be known, okay? Because I, the first time I ever played this game, now I realized Chad, you know, made a small little mistake where there weren't cubes. Wait, okay? how, how, many time, how many times are we going to talk about this? I understand, this? <laughs> but this is, what I'm, this is where I'm going to. But Richie was having the grand old time. He was moving along, was delivering his cubes. Dominant. Yeah, you were dominant. It was great. You know, and I'm sitting there trying just to stay afloat and just like, oh my God, this is terrible. It was such a beautiful pleasure to see Richie on the other side of that. Richie's like, <laughs> I can't do anything. I had to keep taking shares, had to keep borrowing money, kept going down this stuff. And I was just floating along and it was just the most wonderful thing ever. In uh, my so. defense, I will say... <laughs> That at that by that was our last heavy game that we played, right? The, yes. I think it was. Yeah, was yeah. So I was I was probably sleeping a little bit through the rules, teach as well, <laughs> and for some reason I was really mixing up purple and blue. But 
I had this great idea, great plan for my first move, and Chad stole it. And thankfully, Chad stole it because it was a worse plan than what I actually (laughs) (laughs) ended up doing. (laughs) And yes, I I did struggle for that entire game, but I was only, I think it was only like one or two points out from second place by the end, but it, it took a lot to get to that. I, you know, I, if for the first time I played, obviously the rules were a little, you know, and then we played it again. But I tell you that I am like, I'm itching to play it again. I uh, brought it with me, it just is, so you know. It is it is definitely on my, and in fact, made me also break out my uh, Railways in a Pond because I haven't played that in a while. And I sat down and reread the rules to all that. And I'm like, I tried to get my my child to play with me the other night, but he'd have none of it. So, and, uh, my friend, Brian, uh, I don't know if, if that type of game and especially just as two player would work. So I'm like, ah, oh, I'm itching to play it. And then after that, after I busted out and read the rules of that, I pulled out 1853 and started reading the rules for that. Ooh. Yeah. All right. Um, so maybe in ooh. a few months we're going to play it. Ooh, well, <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll, we'll see. I mean, obviously another game that, uh, has a little something to do with stocks is uh you know capturing my attention right now but yes sure. think, yeah even yeah. it even though i struggle that it definitely has gone up yeah on my list yeah. for yeah. sure yeah. I, I, I think it's just one of those games that you yeah. want you play it a little bit and then you start to see the all the decisions that you can be making and how you can play better and yeah i went home and was just like okay because there's a there's a one player map in that age of steam that oh, i got with mine did you try it i haven't had a chance oh, okay. to yet it's just mm. i've just been so busy this week but uh it, it's from um ted uh ted dancing no, not <laughs> not Ted Danson. That that was yeah. It's a signed Age of Steam map from Ted Danson. <laughs> Ted Allspock from Bezier Games. He made this uh, one-player map. I can't I can't think of uh, of what the map is of, but. Anyway, I'm excited to try to play the solo. There's a two-player map in there, too, that you said, because... Yep, the other side of it. Trying to play that two-player map. Yeah, we're going to... Next time Clef is gone, we'll practice up. All right, that sounds good. Okay, I like that. All right, you guys got to practice up. (laughs) Let's... uh, Let's move on to uh, to the pre-order corner because there's oh. there's some stuff that uh, I'm kind of excited about. In fact, I think this news just broke today, and we were like, "Yeah, is, we got to throw it in there." Let's so jump on that. I don't even know what the pre-order music sounds like. Is it the same as Kickstarter music? That's a good good question. I I just want to say, I think every time now at the end of the episode is going to be us trying to remember the pre-order music. Do not tune out too quick because you will always get something at the end. Um, So let me, guys, let me, let me say some words to you guys here. Mm -hmm. Capstone. Okay. Yep. I'm listening. I like that. Fister. Yep. Yeah. Reese's peanut butter cup. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I yeah, like Reese's still, peanut butter cups too. I think I should have said listening. peanut butter and chocolate. But you put Capstone and Fister together, and what do you get? Can I do that all over? Again? <laughs> no, no. I, that's what you're. That's what you're working on. <laughs> I was gonna say peanut butter and chocolate. They go together, and they make a Reese's peanut butter cup. Capstone and Fister. They go together, and it's <laughs> yeah. Peanut butter. Okay. Anyway, so yes, so we got the new game. It is called. I'm going to let Chad pronounce it. It's called Maracaibo. Maracaibo. 
All right. Well, yeah. uh, I mean, Chad, tell us a little bit Alexander about Fister, what, what we man. know at That's least. That's all yes. you need to know, right? That's, That's all, all I, I care need about. to I mean, know. But what else do we Mr. know? Mr. Fister, oh, the time has come. And you know we're not the only ones yeah, to say. The, let's hear about the game. Well, let's first, play. Before we move on, I would like to say that that was like my first favorite song of all time. Not, oh, right? not, not Fister, the time has come, but right. Sister Christian, the time has come. <laughs> what's, I, the, what's, the I, what's the song? What's the song? Sister Christian. Because believe it or not, I, didn't, I did not recognize it. Oh, okay. We're going to play it for you once we get done okay, here because okay. it is an amazing song. But um, it was the first song I actually recorded on my boombox. Yes, if you don't know what a boombox is, go back to the 80s and, and look up boombox. But I recorded it on a tape like off of the radio because I love the song so much. Oh, yeah. Flash, Anyways, flashback to, to Clef in his parachute pants. Yes, I am. Def- I had parachute <laughs> pants. That is the truth. All right. Okay. Well, we're going we're gonna to leave you with that. Oh, oh we're you're gonna... just going to go past that parachute pants? <laughs> I, I was in the fifth got a grade. Clear, your visual right now. <laughs> I was in the fifth grade. All Come right. Markaibo is a strategy game for one to four players. So he's, he's put another solo variant in there. And it's set in the Caribbean during the 17th century. So basically you're trying to kind of increase your influence in three nations, basically. And you're going to sail uh, sail around the Caribbean and have city tiles where you can form actions or deliver goods. One of the features, I guess, and this is very new Fister stuff, so I don't know how it'll be for you, Richie, because I know how you feel about this, and, and you too, Clef. But one special feature is a quest mode w- with uh, more various tiles which tell the, which lets the player get a story out of it if they're if they're going after those specific tiles. Mm. Eeksy mama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that 80s catchphrase. All right. So, uh, but the interesting thing, here, here's the interesting thing, though. You're going to move your ship around the course, managing it by using cards like another Fister game. So that's, I mean, okay. there you go. Okay. Some of that. We want to see some of that, right? Yeah. And so, you know. There's not a lot out yet, right? But No, no. And, uh, I tried the bat phone to uh, Clay, and I didn't quite get a response before we recorded today, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, but as soon as we know more, we'll definitely uh, we'll definitely let you guys know. Um, you know, and I you know I understand Fister obviously is going to do things that are going to be different in today's world. That's a you know solo play is a really big thing, and obviously campaign type of modes or things are are good. And I, I'll tell you, I mean. I, until I don't think it matters. I mean, if it says Fister on it, I'm going to give it a shot no matter what. No, definitely. I, I feel that way too. Uh, the, the it's just interesting too that he's sort of got in, gotten into starting with oh my goods this sort of like let's tell a story kind of play. It's it's an interesting campaign thing. Um, so and they yeah. also he also did it for it, I don't think it ever made it to English, but he also did it for Port Royal. As well. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I think it it I don't think it ever made it to English. Oh, I think no, it's I only in German and okay. even if you bought a copy, you wouldn't be able to actually play it because it's, play it. it's to... actually in German. Well, because um, even well, in Blockout Hong Kong has you know like some sort of a campaign yep. mode. We've never at least I never. <laughs> <given a laughs> that shot. was that's the not, one where let's Paul not talk said, about the story. We've, <laughs> we lost we, we lost Rob the first first compound. <laughs> we lost Rob, and then the second the second story is we found Rob. Rob lost his shoes, <laughs> you know, like, and so, his water went bad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, throw out that rice. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. It, it sounds intriguing because just because of his name and because of capstone the category on board game geek says it's economic which always sounds good there's some area control some hand management and then that point-to-point movement as you go around the action spaces around the island there so 
Stuff yep. to look forward to. All Keep right. an does eye it, out. Does it have any price or any time or mm-hmm. anything? No price I don't or think timing? so yet. It, it, okay. As of, Coming soon? Yeah. It's going to drop at the end of this week here, I think, to Capstone's pre-order website. And then DLP actually uh, already has it on pre-order over there. So, Richie, get on that. Oh, I'm on it. Okay. I mean- even though I'm not high on Blackout Hong Kong, it's still I would still call it a good game, and I I cannot name a Fister game that I was that I hate it. No, I agree with you. you know? Like Broom Service was not necessarily m- like my cup of tea, but I still thought it was a solid game. Yeah, I yeah, still it's own a very well designed yeah, yeah, game if you like those kind of games. So. Yeah. So no, I mean Fister will like I said he'll always be there for me. All right, well hey let's uh, let's move on and well let's get to it, guys. Let's do this featured review. Chicago by Carl Sandburg. Hog butcher for the world, tool maker, stacker of wheat, players with railroads and the nation's freight handler, stormy, husky, brawling, city of the big shoulders. Come and show me another city with lifted head singing so proud to be alive and coarse and strong and cunning. What do you guys think? That's uh. Kind of sound like Bill the Butcher a little bit. Yeah, yeah, well, uh, yeah, I know it was a little bit more New York than Chicago. Yeah, more well, yeah. All right, since we're talking about Chicago, I, I, got a, I got a quickie for you here. See if you can do this. He pulls a knife, you pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. That's the Chicago way. Untouchables. There you go. <laughs> Love that movie. All right, well, let's talk about City of the Big Shoulders from Parallel Games by Raymond Chandler III, Emily Deering. So City of the Big Shoulders is a game that mixes Euro-style worker placement with a little bit of 18xx stock manipulation. Uh, the game plays out over five rounds or decades in which players take part in five different phases where they can buy and sell company stocks. They can rebuild Chicago by placing out action spaces on the board. Then they'll have an action phase where companies place out workers to do the actions at the various buildings. It should be stated for those of the those that haven't played an 18xx game that players are managing their money and their company's money separately. But after the action phase, players are going to enter an operating phase where all the companies in order of the highest appeal, a la Arkwright with its appeal track, get to buy up resources and produce goods and ship them, at which point they have a choice then to pay out dividends to all the stock shareholders or withhold to keep money for their company. If they pay out stock share price, it has the opportunity for their stock shares to double or even triple in price, depending on how much the company makes during that production. At the end of operations, there's a cleanup phase with drawing up workers, refreshing some resources, and discarding filled product order tiles. The game ends in the fifth decade, and players turn their shares in for current value values in cash, and they could also earn money if they've achieved the most in certain goals that have been set out randomly at the start of the game. Players are going to tally their money together and find the winner. Clef, I know you have been itching to talk about this game. City of the Big Shoulders. Let's get to it. Let's do our patented rundown. Here we go. Art and components. What do you have to say? My rating for this game whoa, 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 is... Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not oh. yet. You're getting the cart above, oh. before oh, oh, the horse oh, oh, oh. there a little bit. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Well, so well, let's what? talk about art and components art here first, and components. okay? Yeah. Art and components are very, very nice in this game. Um, they're serviceable. Uh, the Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Let's let's talk about that. I'm kidding. No, um, no. The arts and components, 
Um, I think that everything is very clear. Um, for me, you know, the, the, the artist is nice and I like how it has the, you know, the old Chicago feel or whatever, but the iconography is where I really feel like, uh, you know, Emily did an amazing job of every time you go to an action spot, you can see exactly like who, like if it's the bank plays a player or the corporation plays a player or the corporation plays the bank, it's very well put together. So once you really kind of understand the game, it is so simple. You don't have to keep looking back at the rule book and going, okay, which action space do is this play this or whatever. Everything is very just set out very nicely. I mean, an amazing job for, for a game that, is a is a complex game i feel like when i teach it it's so easy to teach people how to play it they might not understand the strategy but they understand the actions yeah especially with those player aids because those player aids are some of the best that i've seen for a game um and i, I would agree the art and components are great especially you know since it's you know has its roots in 18xx especially when you compare it to different 18xx games that are out there this is leaps and bounds ahead of yeah, oh, yeah. All of them. most production on most yeah, games yes. are above 18xx <laughs> standards but uh, I, I will say yeah I, I enjoyed the board which had a, like a map under basically yeah. under everything of, of Chicago which looked really beautiful I liked uh, the color choices for that the only thing that I had beef with as far as color choices are is you have managers and salespeople yeah. on your board and those when you see the action spaces on the board they sit together and it's very easy to see light brown from dark brown but when you see them at separate spaces out in on chits and stuff like that you cannot you cannot tell the difference and we've had to set a meeple on those because it is very confusing and if you're using the drafting variant where you put put the action tiles out it's a problem sometimes because you're not always able to tell what is what with that so that's one thing that i was kind of surprised about i wish that they would have picked a very different color from salespeople to managers yeah, I would I would have to agree because it it can be confusing sometimes, especially on the the appeal track as far as when you get to that that little bonus space that you get. Um, other than that, the other thing that I really do like is that they had like the green spaces or the spaces that everyone can go to, and then the brown spaces are only one person go to. I don't know. It just made it very easy as far as like just to quickly look out on the board and see where you could go. True, yeah, that was a yeah. smart decision choice that helped. Yeah. Well, I, I will also say, I mean, if I'm going to be a little picky, sometimes the brown and the black cubes, when they're up in Haymarket Square, which is like kind of the, the resource spot, those can look a little bit similar too. Now, normally it's not a huge deal because, you know, you can pick them up and look at them, but just the lighting. But, I mean, I'm talking that is a very, very small nitpicky thing. I want to know about the rule book from you because you got this taught to you by by Raymond by Ray and and you know so that was your first experience with it but I, I think you had to look over the rule well, book and we yeah. had some questions with it when we've played sure. a few times um, well and as I as I kind of talked about in the last episode yes I got taught it but when it came time to actually uh, teach it I really kind of had to go through the rule book because that's just the kind of learner I am. I'm, I have a little bit of, you know, I just need to read the rule book. No, I, I'd say the rule book is above average. It is very well written, laid out. Um, it starts to explain different actions and then it goes into how the gameplay goes. Um, it describes every single 
tile and how each what each tile does um very very well done the only small thing is sometimes i wish maybe that there was like a extra index or something where it just had like definitions of each thing to maybe make things a little bit easier to pick up on with that but that once again i am being extremely nitpicky with this well i would say that's valid because i went back and looked at the rule book and it's not just that there needs to be an index i would say that really it's important that there needs to be Some of the rules are actually out of place and hard to find, I would say, because I looked at it. For example, when we had that one where if your company has all the shares bought Hmm. and and, and they get a bump each round, we actually texted Raymond for that. But actually, I went back and looked at that rule book and that rule is in the setup which is a really weird place to have that rule. It and that's and that is one thing that I realized after, you know, playing this game for the number of times that I have. The rule book is a little bit some of the rules you do have to go look kind of in the beginning where it's I wouldn't even call it the setup. It's just talking about the like different terminologies is kind of what it's what it's doing. Um so yeah, I I would agree with you. Sometimes a couple of rules have been like, oh, I'm not 100% sure. I've been lucky enough that, you know, I've been able to, uh, you know, message Raymond and say, you know, hey, what's the answer to this? And he's wonderful at getting back to me. So that's been very helpful. But I would still say the majority of people, you are going to be able to learn this from the rule book. It's not one of those games where I feel like you have to have a teach. Um you know, if you do, definitely uh, Heavy Cardboard has an amazing great teach out there that uh, where they ran through it for uh, their uh, Gen Con whatever preview week that they had there. Uh, that was one of the games they did, and it's it's a great teach out there. So yeah, the only rule that tested friendships, I think, was the the stock where you if you have a hundred dollars and you go to that spot and you do the it's it's so simple once you understand it yes it's just written very weird it was written a little weird and it was confusing at first but once again once you understand it's just basically like your stock's paying out dividends you know i mean your stock right just yeah you've got the hundred dollars burning a hole in your pocket and you're ready to pay out dividends um it was simple once you understood it but yes it it definitely was confusing to start with well and and you know kudos to them because i know they worked hard on this rule book i i listened to the heavy cardboard uh interview and and you know Emily and Ray talked about that they went through I think 13 different iterations with this rule book so they really worked hard at it and oh. listened to feedback from the community so yeah. he he poured his hard you know his heart and sweat into this rule book and I so I, I don't want to make it sound like it's I mean it's a good like I said it's above average of a rule book that's for sure it, it's one other thing about components it should be noted and this isn't a big deal for us but it does have paper money in the game basically and so he i think ray is thinking that most people are going to play this with poker chips if this is your first foray into 18xx maybe you don't have poker chips but you should know that paper money comes in the base game and they i think they call that out in the rule book don't they they say you know there's paper money but you know yeah don't play with it exactly. <laughs> which is funny we got you a component don't play with it <laughs> which and he obviously explains i mean they didn't want to spend more money on putting more expensive you know currency in this game when 95 percent of the people are going to play with poker oh yeah definitely. true exactly like this, yep which just makes sense now in the expansion it does have upgraded plastic money it's kind of like if you're familiar with stockpile it's kind of it's thick card money Yeah, it's a thick card money so it's it's a little bit better i actually had to use that money the very first time i played it because 
I didn't have enough poker chips. You know, I had like a very small limited amount uh, when I was at Gen Con. So, and it was serviceable. I mean, there was no issues with that. Now, paper money, yes, I would, I would probably about die if I had to use the paper money. <laughs> <laughs> this is coming from Mr., uh, you know, doesn't care about components. That's right. There you go. Well, okay. Now, Clef, let's, let's go to gameplay here. Let's talk about the gameplay of the game. Okay, well, you guys buckled in because I'm this. I'm I'm ready here. <laughs> Let's go. Um, this game is a very well put together game for my style of type of gaming. So I'm going to start off by saying that right away. Now, I think this is great for a lot of people, but for me, worker placement is one of my favorite type of mechanics or mechanisms. Okay, and I've always liked the 18xx stock buying and you know, uh, you know, buying, getting companies and then doing different things like that. I've always liked that part of it, but the route building has always been something that I've still, you know, I still struggle with still trying, but still struggle with. Well, now instead of, you know, doing the route building, I'm getting all that 18 XX feel of the buying of the stocks, buying of the companies, and it's all coming then together with this wonderful worker placement. And as Chad kind of talked about in the in the rules, I mean, you're starting off and your very first thing you're going to basically do is you're going to buy, or not even buy, I should say, you're, you're going to pick a company. And right away, you're going to pick a stock value for it. And right there, you're already starting with one of the most important things in the game, right from the very first thing you do, of how much do you want to put this stock at because it's going to matter on how much money is then going to go uh because when you purchase stuff because when you when you set a stock value that's how you're going to first thing you're going to do is you're going to get 30 percent of the company you're going to take from your own personal money and you're going to put it in to the company and so you're going to always have separate money in this game which is just i i really great thing uh panamax was another game that that did that but when you then put that money in there you then are going to have so much money left over where you're going to have an opportunity that comes back to you. You can buy more stock. You could buy more stock in your own company or you can buy stock in other players' companies depending on how much money you have and, and what they set the value at. So right away, there's just a unique thing there of, of really kind of you know tough decisions of, of what you want to do there. Well, I think it borrows... It's interesting what you're saying. I think it borrows most heavily... From what I can tell, it borrows most heavily from 1846. Okay, it 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 really an 1846 of the 18xx games is really about managing a company well, so it's comfortable for Euro gamers because they're not doing quite as many stock shenanigans and 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 crazy stuff with their companies, but they're trying to have a company and manage it well, which which this this is doing basically. So I, I do appreciate that. And I think most of the mechanisms that you're talking about with with you know buying stuff and 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 buying uh, certain actions, it's a really nice mix of what 1846 and what Arkwright do, basically, when you're doing that management with the company's money and going out there and, and that sort of thing. So I, I really do I enjoy the marriage of those of those mechanisms together. Yeah. I, I hate to admit it, Clef, you're right. I mean, the gameplay is fantastic. And, I mean, going into the game, I was a little worried just because I have not played an 18xx game, and I, I'm i not a – I have no interest in route building. So I, I was just a little worried. Right. Right, going into it. But as soon as you started passing out the companies, I'm, I'm in because I, I like the, you know, the unique companies. And we were playing with the expansion, and there's some funky – 
companies are, as far as how they operate and work right, in there. Right. And that's right up my alley. And yeah. our first game, I took two expansion companies that I had no clue how to run, but I still just enjoyed trying to figure that out. Right, and right. And that's that's what I want to do. I want to manage the company. I want to be the fat cat in the boardroom, smoking a cigar, drinking whiskey. I don't want to. I don't want to build routes. There you go. So this this was perfect. So that that exactly. But you hit did the spot. enjoy Age of Steam, even though that was a little bit painful experience. Your last play. Well, yeah, I, I enjoy Age of Steam, but. I still, I mean, I'd, I, I want to do one or the other. I don't want to <laughs> be doing both oh, at the same time. <laughs> okay, you want your peas and carrots separate. All right, yes. fine. Um, it, it almost the, the player powers, uh, excuse me, the companies almost feel like player powers, right? Because exactly. you do, and and you know, and this I don't how much you know, kind of Chad didn't touch a lot on this in the rules overview because, but. The cool thing is when you have these companies after the worker placement phase, you're going to have what's called an operation phase. And in that operation phase, you're running your company. And basically, you've got to have workers on your company to make it run. Or you can have machines that can automate, that can help run your company better. Again, just like so, Arc, right? Uh, yes, to a degree, yes. Um, but then um, you need these certain color cubes for most of the companies, unless you're making oatmeal and you don't need cubes then, but <laughs> most of the companies you need cubes to run the company. And so then you get a certain number of cubes in that you need to run your company, you buy those and then you run your company and then you produce goods. You take these goods and then you go sell them. And then this is the next really unique thing about this game. At least for me, once again, I'm not an experienced 18 XX player, but this is the unique thing where now you have these goods and now you're going to sell them to this demand marker. And each of the of the companies, there are four different types of goods that they can kind of produce. There was like uh, dry goods. There was uh, livestock. There was uh, uh, shoes. Shoes. Yeah. So there was and like a sewing machine. I can't remember which one that was. But, you know, so there's four different types and you have certain areas that you can go sell these demand tokens, and sometimes they're going to have different number of slots that you can put these demand tokens on, and if you fill them up, you're going to get more money. And then once you've got all that money together, so let's say I go and I sell three goods at $50 a piece, and each company, I should say, sells their, their goods for different money. So let's say I sell three goods at $50 a piece, I get $150, and then let's say I get a bonus of $50 because I filled in a demand tile, now I made $200. And that's where now you have the option. I could withhold that and put that all into my company. So my company has a lot of money to be able to do whatever, you know, well, hopefully whatever it wants the next round. But my stock price goes down because I don't pay anybody out any money. Or obviously my other option is I can pay dividends. And then that's where, okay, let's say my stock is at $60 and I make a hundred or make $200. Well, now I pay, if I choose to pay out dividends, I'm going to basically take the 100% of the stock. I'm going to say 10% of that 200 is 20 bucks. And I'm paying $20 per whatever stock anybody has. And then that's where then my stock can rise. That's where, you know, if it's just a single amount above where your stock is, it's going to move once. If it's double, it's going to move twice. And if it's triple, if you had a really good round, it can actually bump up three spots. So here's what's interesting to me. And I, I haven't played the number of games you've played. I, I think I've played three probably of, of this game. But here's what's interesting to me, because that is like 18XX or 1846 specifically, where you can choose to withhold, I think in 1846 you can withhold half, which is, is a different thing too. But in, in 1846 you can choose to withhold or you can 
payout. And I only saw, and I don't even think it benefited Richie all that much, but I only saw somebody withhold in our three games once. You would think, I mean, like when I first thought about that decision, I thought, oh, that's going to be, you know, like a, a major decision. That's going to be big. But for most of the most of the rules, or most of the games, we only had that happen once. Now, in 1846, it seems to make more sense because you've got those trains you have to buy with your company with the train rush coming and, coming, and those things rusting and having to all of a sudden take emergency money where that becomes a little bit more of a decision. But for this a game, it didn't seem as much like a decision as, as it did in 1846. Well, and to say to that is, yes, but partly of that is because we barely scratched the surface of this game. I mean, you know, somebody who's experienced with this game could come in, and I've actually had thoughts of it, as, and I, I have yet to, to do it, but I really think that possibly early on, because you can only get like two bumps when you're behind a, a certain a threshold on the, on, the, on the stock track, but you could use it as an advantage if, if you know, maybe you didn't have enough money in your company, um, but... And know that then you're setting yourself up for a bigger turn in the future or whatever. I'm just saying it's hard for me right now to say, well, it's not a mechanism that's really working because we just haven't played the game enough. I mean, right. I was just I, I, I just thought that was an interesting thing because it was just more of a just more of an, a decision in 1846 readily than it was in this, whether you know whether that means anything or, or not. Yeah, well, whatever about 1846. I mean, I'm talking about City of the Big Shoulders. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, I think it's a fair comparison because that's what he, he took the two influences from that and Arkwright, which is, you know. Sure, but anyways. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, that's that part. And then the basic part of the game is the, you know, placing of the, which they actually call them partners in this because you, your workers are running your factories. But your partners, they go out on behalf of your companies and they do certain actions. And the certain actions can be hire a manager, you know, which then could get you bonuses when you run your factory. Um, it's hire a salesman, which makes your goods worth more money. Or it can be simply get cubes that you need to help run your factory. Or uh, the last part that uh, is very important, this this part is a very, very important part of the game. So if you first play it, don't forget about it. It's the appeal track for your companies. Because the higher your appeal is, the, the earlier you get to go during the operation phase, which will allow you to get to those cubes earlier in that operation phase. Basically, it means that you can get to those resources before they become really scant and you can't run your company. Well, so you're sitting there trying easier. to plan. Yeah. You're sitting there trying exactly. to plan and say, oh my gosh, I can see that I'm in shoes and Richie's in shoes. He's ahead of me on the appeal track. Maybe I m must need to go to the space that makes me raise my appeal of my company so I can jump ahead of him. But how many turns does he have left? Can he jump ahead of me sure. later? Well, does that mess me up? And the cool thing about having those worker placement spots are, out there too is, oh, do I want to go and pay Cleft to go to that spot or have the bank pay Cleft to go to that spot because right. he's got it on his line? Because you've built, as, as, the, as the player color or whatever, you've built that spot. And so you get paid that money, which is a very unique thing. Also, 
for those worker placement spots. And I like that because that's one of the things that's different from Arkwright, which, you know, the, the salespeople and stuff are kind of variations on what Arkwright's doing with adding adding up the the, the uh, machines and the, the prices a little bit. What, I what, what game is Chad reviewing here? <laughs> Arkwright 1846 or City of the Big Shoulders? I think people want to, I think people would be interested to know how these, how these. I'm how just like giving you a hard time. Yeah, I would say the player interaction is one of my favorite parts in the game because it, it allows you to be mean in this game. You can definitely, and I mean, I think we've only scratched the surface as far as being mean in this game. Right. But one, starving out the market. So if you get ahead in that appeal track and someone up is coming up behind you and you just leave one cube in each of those boxes so that it doesn't refill for them and then they can't run their company or, you know, maybe the next two people can't even run their company. It's You can be super mean that way. And then also, I think in our last game, all of my shares in, in one of my companies got bought up by the, like the end of the second round. And I mean, that's good in a sense for me, but at the same time, it made it so that now there's no more cash coming into that company. Right. And I, I really think that I should have just cashed out and made you and passed it on to you. Which cashing out meaning dumping the, yeah, dumping, just dumping the my stock, shares, which dumping is something company. we have not even tried yet. I mean, I have not yet figured out like that's, that's a next step that I really want to figure out. Yeah, you know, how I, can I, I, I think that's, cost me the game because then I I was basically just working and even though I still had 50% I think I had 50 or 60% of the company but you had 30% so I mean me working hard and wasting my actions to make sure that that one's still producing right is is only benefiting you as well I think in this game that's one thing that you I think when a lot of players play this for the first time their first thought is okay this is my company and I want to run it really well but I think the key in this game is not necessarily always worrying about your company. It's investing in other people's and making them do the work, sort of say, because they're the ones in making sure to get everything rolling and getting the workers and, and everything like that. And then you can start to reap the benefits of it. So I've actually found used to be, you know, oh, I'm going to get to 60 percent of my company before I do anything else. And I think it's actually better to try to be more. Uh, have a more diverse, I don't know what I was about to say, diverse portfolio to, to kind of make other people making you money. And, and I, I totally agree with that. It, it's, it's interesting too. The, the, the push and pull of that though, too, is that you could get a hostile takeover. So if somebody else owns more of the stock in your company than you do, they get to take that company over, which we haven't, I haven't had happen, but you had happen, I think, Clef, your first game. But that, that is I've an interesting seen it a couple thing. Times, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting, uh, counterpoint to that, that you, that you want to watch for. That's always, always kind of in the back of your mind. You're just kind of watching who's buying what of your company. But yeah, that, that sort of tanking, tanking companies with stock is, 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 Second level play, basically, like like eighteen xx sure. games. It's it's that yeah. sort of second level of manipulating and stuff. Yeah, and I mean, I am now on my you know my ninth play of this game, and I feel like I still haven't even scratched the surface on different things that mm-hmm. I could do with this game. Um, and I was just talking about being mean. The not the last time I played because I was with you guys, but the time before that, I played with a couple. And unfortunately, a couple of new players probably wasn't the best time to do this, but. Uh, we all had, we needed blue cubes, uh, three, you know, three of us with had companies and I was the first one and I, I was able to have a couple of goods from another action that I had taken. So I didn't, when I got to my turn, I had all the blue cubes period. There were none out in <laughs> the buying area. There were none in Haymarket square. 
And I just decided not to run my company, which, you know, I still got to sell my goods. So I was still okay. I still went up the stock or whatever, but both of them weren't even able to run their company and they both had to go down. So you got the good teacher Ooh. award. I, you know, Hey, one of the players is a really uh, good player. So me beating him, I didn't mind. It. Yeah, so. Well, one of the things, one of the other things that I want to talk about and Richie touched on it. One thing that really captured my imagination with this game, it, it is totally a passion project for, for, Raymond, he is the one of the reasons I read that poem at the beginning by Carl Sandburg, or part of the poem, is because it influenced the game. He has it on the back of the rule manual, I think, or inside the box somewhere. And it, it, he he loves Chicago. He's you know the the worker mentality of it, and that's what the poem is about, you know. And then you've got these companies that are there at the start of the century, and after I think it takes place after the Chicago fire. No, the the fire happens in the middle of the game. Is that right? No, it takes place after the okay. Chicago fire. Right, so you're rebuilding after the fire, but you've got these companies, and it's so fun to go, oh, yeah, I've got Cracker Jack, and I've got Spalding, you know, Spalding Sports Goods, and I've got uh, uh, Quaker Oatmeal, and Wilford Brimley's on my company, and, you know, all that all that stuff. It's it's great, you know? So I want to know, because you, you've played it at all player counts? I've played it at all player counts. All right, so I want to hear, because I, I, I did want to try it at two. I never got a chance to try it at two. I, I've just played three and four. At all player counts. As have I. Oh no, wait. I play. I haven't played four. I only played two and three. Sorry. Yeah. Um. I would say. Okay. I mean, let's be honest. Is this game best at four players? Absolutely. I mean, you're going to have the most interaction. The you get all the action spots available. You know, it's 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 going to give you the most interaction. Three is very good. I don't mind it at all. At three, it's it's solid. I will say this. If you right now said to me, hey, I want to play City and I want to play it, you know, it's just me and you, heck yeah, I'm playing it, okay? Ooh, that's good to hear. It's still that good. All right. Uh, the nice thing I like about it at two-player is it does give you a little bit more freedom because in a multiplayer game, you know, like I might pay you some money, Richie, and then I might pay Chad some, and then, you know, the money goes a little more diverse. Where in a two-player game, hey, money is just going right back and forth to each other. You know, it's mm -hmm. either the bank or one of us is getting the money. And I found it was easier, and I mean, this might be something we didn't talk about, as the game goes on, you can get more companies. And in a two-player game, I got up to three companies, which okay. you know is yeah a little bit tougher to do in a multiplayer game because you just sometimes don't have enough time or capital to kind of be able to run that much. But um, with a two, it g gave me that option to get up to three companies. Gotcha. I would say, and I haven't played it four, but I, I really like three just because of the time aspect. And just be, just while we're talking about it, we played a game the other day where we played it. I guess Richie clocked it at two hours and 15 minutes, which is really pretty good for this sort of game. And that's why I'd say it's kind of a, a, a selling point there. Um, but... Uh, the two-player game was interesting because there's a little bit more tit for tat. Like, Clef was kind of going first quite a bit when we played it, and he was going, well, I don't know if I want to invest in your company because then if you invest in your company, then, you know. And so there's this sort of thing where if somebody if somebody's taking money into their own, you, you can't, you don't want to necessarily give them more money sometimes, so. Right, right. But absolutely still worth playing it too. Okay, that's good to hear. Yeah, not worth playing at the solo version. Is there a solo version? No, no there, there is no stupid solo version of this. I got excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about variability and replayability. Richie, what do you think about variability and replayability for this game? I mean, variability, because I mean, at the beginning of the game, you're just basic, I mean, essentially drafting the companies that you're going to start with. So I think that that's off the charts. And if you get the expansion, you get five more companies. 
Uh, so variability, I think, is great. Uh, replayability, I <laughs> I suggested at the beginning of the, when I got over here to Clef's house, like why? Let's just push the review off and let's just keep playing City of the Big Shoulders. Yeah, we need <laughs> so, some more plays of it before just, we review it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just because I know once we have to move on to the next review, I can't play it anymore for a while. So yeah, I think they're. I mean, variability and replayability, I think, are high in this game. What about you, Clef? Um. Probably one of the, I would say, top games for replayability for me. Uh, I Like I said, I don't even think I've scratched the surface of different things that I feel like I can kind of do in this game. Um, you know, variability-wise, there are, yes, the different companies that, you know, people are going to start with each game, but also the variability is of the action spaces that you build. Because some games, you know, okay, oh, there's that action space of, you know, two uh, two on the appeal track or get two managers or whatever but in the next game you play neither one of those action spaces are out so if you are looking for managers you're hoping for that spot if it never comes out you don't have it so there's more variability there it's it doesn't seem like a lot but really it makes the board different each time you know i mean your board when you get done with the game is going to be a unique board that only, and, and quite honestly, it's probably going to be different than any other time you've ever played the game. I mean, yes, a lot of the action spaces are going to be similar, but it's always, and who has those action spaces? Like, especially later in the game, I mean, my thought process is, ooh, I want to take that action, but I don't want to give Richie another $100 into his personal mm. fund from my company because that's just that much more money that Richie's going to have. Yeah, and so. also makes a difference as far as what companies are viable in the game because i remember you took oscar meyer that one time and you really need salespeople to to right. make that company work well and i don't think a extra salesperson came out no. until like late in the game right and, and kind know, of hurt that strategy weren't, you weren't pumping Absolutely. out the bologna and the no and the hot dogs so no. much i was they were just cheap yeah <laughs> they were very cheap <laughs> what are you what about you chad so i would say the replayability and variability are are uh, are different for me. The replayability of this game, as you said, there are different strategies to pursue and different things to do and things that we haven't explored yet for sure and things that we can we can definitely do when we get back to the table. Uh, but the variability, I would say, is average. Um, the reason I would say that is because the expansion, which we got with it, the expansion adds those special companies that are fun to play around with that really kind of stir the special sauce and that you want to mess around with and discover. And they add, I think, a few extra tiles as well. Uh, so for me, the var variability in there is, is just average. If it hadn't come with the expansion, now the expansion to me obviously puts it above average variability but without the expansion i just say it's average yeah disagree okay well guys we've talked a lot about this and i literally could go on for hours talking about this game but hey uh we got to move on so i think right now it's time to hop in and give our ratings you guys feel good about that let's, let's do, do it. it all right richie tell everybody how we rate here at punchboard paradise all right so we rate on a six point scale with a one being a game that makes you miserable and a six being a game that could possibly make your top 10 of all time let's go chad okay well i had to think about this a little bit uh it waffles for me between two scores because like I said, and we've talked about this much to, I think Clef's annoyance, but it is a melange. And I think purposefully so of two different games, Arkwright and an 18 XX game. And it does a very, very good job of introducing 18 XX 
concepts to people in a way that is comfortable and manageable and and I really like it for that. I really think it's uh, it's good in that way for sure. Um, I really like the fact that it. Uh, I really like the fact that it gives you it gives you it, it gives you something to latch onto when it gives you these new concepts, basically. And so by that, I definitely enjoy playing it. Now, when I it, this may, actually made me rethink Arkwright because some of our friends and some people have said, "Oh, this is an Arkwright killer." And it's funny because I rated Arkwright as a four, so not as high as you guys. But I I have to say, I like the Arkwright interaction. And so this, uh, this makes me miss a little bit of the Arkwright interaction on that appeal track. There's a little bit more push and pull. So, so it doesn't replace Arkwright for me. It, de- it definitely doesn't replace Arkwright. But at the same time, I really, like I said, I really like the combination of worker placement and 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 those 18xx mechanisms at the same time. And I really love the feel of the game. I really love the running your companies and the history of those special companies and discovering how to do those certain companies that Richie talked about, like Oscar Mayer, where you need the salespeople and just the the little nuances of the game. I think sometimes when I play it, it makes me miss playing 18xx. And I want to play more 18xx because of all the stuff that it has in it, but then just a little more. Now, the good thing about this game, though, is that, again, we played it in two hours and 15 minutes. That's a really short, short time for that kind of decision space. So that's a big point in its favor. So I'm going to give this a four. I definitely enjoy this game. It could move up to a five. Uh, but right now it's a four just because of I think I, I put Arkwright previously at a four. And for me... It's it's right around there too. So, four is my score. Richie, what do you got? Oh, it might be an Arkwright killer for me. I uh, I was not expecting that. I think Clef said, yeah, Clef. I think you said uh, Sean called it an Arkwright killer at Origins, and yeah. oh, <laughs> I might have to agree with him. And it comes down to one that the fact that the companies are different. Because those do feel like player powers, whereas in Arkwright, you know, you're, you're selling shirts, you're selling whatever wares, but if everyone who's in those companies, it's, you know, you're the same, essentially. You're selling the same. Uh, as far as the appeal track goes, I, I really get that on the appeal track on the side here, because you have to, especially towards the end of the game, when the, uh, when the orders start disappearing, you have to be in front. If you're not in front and you end up having to sell half of your goods at half price, you're screwed. So, I mean, it, it is so important that you are managing your appeal during this game. And then, like I said, the time, the fact that we play a three-player game of this in two hours and 15 minutes, it, I mean, maybe it's possible that we can get Arkwright down to that. But I don't know. This just gave me everything I wanted out of Arkwright. And then on top of it, it gave me those the different companies. And, I mean, really if I just continue to get new companies as far as like expanding this game, that's all I really need. Uh, I rated Arkwright a five. I would say it would still be a five. It's a fantastic game. Still in my top 100. Still, I think that puts it in my top 50. Uh, City is a six. It's a six for me. They could easily make my top 10 of all time. Nice. Um, I was shocked at how much I enjoyed playing this game. So six for me. Clef, bring it home. Okay. So, and, and you guys made some interesting points um, and not necessarily do I say I want to, you know, refute them or anything, but 
I mean, Chad, when you talk about this game, you you keep saying, well, it's introducing things to people, and you know, this is something to introduce them. I I, I don't feel that way. This, this is a game that is to me a masterpiece in itself. I mean, it doesn't need to introduce concepts that then people can use to play 18xx. It's just introducing a great and amazing game. And I'm not big on, on you know, is it an Arkwright killer? No, it's not an Arkwright killer. It's City of the Big Shoulders. And Arkwright is Arkwright. I love Arkwright. Arkwright is an amazing game that is always going to be there for me. 18xx, you know, is it at 1846, whatever you want to call those games, you know, are, maybe aren't hitting for me quite as much as something like this does. And, you know, as I grow as a gamer, I mean, they may. But for me, this is on its own, not worrying about Arkwright, not worrying about 1846, not worrying about any other game. I'm just saying this game right here, it's an amazing game. It's perfect in what I feel like. I mean, the time is wonderful for it. I don't I don't even care if it goes to three hours. It doesn't even feel like it. It has that great, to me, great player interaction where, you know, having to decide between companies and the appeal track, there's just so much going on there. And it obviously has a wonderful worker placement to it, but has that, I have my own personal money, the company money. Everything in this game is just perfect for what I feel like a game should have. There's just nothing about it that I'm like, oh, I I would like this more. I'd like this more. Anyways, it's 100% a six. I mean, if <laughs> I just redid my top 100 games, uh, threw them up on, on Board Game Geek, you know, you check them out if, if you would like to. Um, it's under Clefster, that's C-L-E-F-S-T-E-R. Um, check out my top 100 games. And this is absolutely a six because it is in my top 10 of all time. Now, if you want to say comparisons, at this moment, I still have Arkwright higher than City. And, I, you know, that's, I was really debating, but I still love Arkwright. So it's 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 really tough for me to say. But really, honestly, I find them, I'm playing two different games when I play them. They both have things that bring me the joy and the happiness that I, that I get. But nonetheless, City of the Big Shoulders, 100%, a six guaranteed. And believe me, I mean, this, I, I do not ever see this dropping out of my top 10 of all time. All right. So for City of the Big Shoulders, it's a four from Chad, a six from Retchie, and a big fat six from Clef. Uh, guess what, guys? Raymond has given us a copy to give away to one member of the Punch Punch. Are we members? Are, we? Are you a member of the Punch Punch? Ooh, does, <laughs> does my wife ask? count as a, as a member <laughs> of the totally, Punch Punch? Yeah, she she um, totally does not let listen. Let me look at the fine print. No member of the Punchboard Paradise or family members are eligible to win. Um, I mean, this is a big deal. This is a big game. Richie and I don't even have copies of right, this game. Right. No, this, this is huge. And like I said, we're giving one copy away. All right. So first thing you're going to have to do is Chad's going to put out when this episode comes out, he'll have a tweet. For this episode, you'll need to retweet that with punch bunch with the hashtag punch bunch in the city. Ooh, I like that. You like that? Punch bunch in the city. And then we need iTunes reviews because you know more iTunes reviews that you have, the more eyes you can get on the podcast. And we need to for the people that are don't know about us, we need to get us out there. Yeah, we we really need people to talk about us because 
yeah, otherwise we're going to fold up and no longer be. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about you. So, <laughs> so we need iTunes review. So retweet that tweet. Leave us an iTunes review, and if you have already left us an iTunes review, you can just shoot us an email if you want to be entered into this contest, and then we will pick from that pool that we have right. to get a free copy. And and what we're going to do, because unfortunately we are not extremely wealthy people, so shipping, here's the deal. Whoever wins it, we are going to cover $20 worth of shipping. Okay, I honestly don't even know what it will cost to ship, but we're going to cover $20 worth of shipping. So probably that should cover most, I'm guessing, of the continental USA. But let's say that you're in, I don't know, Germany, in Berlin, and you win. You will have the option. We'll cover $20 of the shipping. If you want to pay the remainder of the shipping, we will have no problem shipping it out to you. If you don't. Then we'll, I'm then assuming I you're not going to enter the contest. I will take your copy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good luck, Punch Bunch. That's yeah. a good one. Now it's time to talk about our Punch Board previous plays. So what is our previously played game for this week, Chad? Newton. Ooh. So, Richie, Newton, you gave it a six last time. I did. I did. Uh, what say you now? Uh, so a couple episodes back, I talked about uh, Brass. I think we – did we review Brass? We re- I know we reviewed Brass after this. I don't know uh, if it was right after this. I think right it was like this. the next episode. Was it the next episode? Yeah, yeah. You know, because that also got a six, and that kind of invalidated this six for me. Uh, Newton is a fantastic game, and I think that it is one of the top games of that year, and it it kind of deserved a five. And now I know what Clef is thinking is just because he has destroyed me the last three times that we played this game, and it's not because of that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a solid game. It there's really not much interaction. There's really not much you can do to affect other players, uh, so that knocks it down just a little bit for me. Uh, it just does not have that that player interaction that I usually look for in a game. Uh, but it's still a five for me. Still own it. Still in my collection. Still really excited about the expansion that should be coming out uh, at this Essen. But it is a five, not a six. I'm going to almost say the same thing Richie just did. I also gave it a six the last time. And we, we were new. You know, we were, this yeah, is, we were know, just we starting. Were just starting just off. Just starting the podcast. And, you know, yeah, kind of doing these reviews. And while Newton is an amazing game it's not a top 10 game of all time for me so obviously it means i can't give it a six but it is a very very still solid five for me yes there's not a lot of player interaction and it is i mean it is almost you know solitaire type of thing even since i still think when you play with four players there are still things that you're doing to try to get to places first i mean there is some interaction but I still find I love the puzzle. I love the card play mm-hmm. and put him down. Um, I'm so looking forward to the expansion. I, I looked more into that expansion. And now when you take a card, when you put it underneath your desk, where normally obviously you just would tuck it and just have that extra action, you now have a choice of you can flip it to one side or the other. One will give you the symbol. The other one would be just like an action that you get to take, uh, like I don't know, like get a coin or get okay. just a victory point, something on those lines. So it kind of gives you options when you put that card down of a little bit tougher of decision of, ooh, do I want this or do I want this? So I'm still loving the game. I still think it's a tremendous game. I mean, and 
I mean, giving a game as a five is is no slouching matter. No, not you at know. all. Not at all. Is it brass? No. But is it still a great game? Absolutely. So. Yeah, I totally agree. I gave it a five last time because I was the only one in my right mind and gave it a good review. Uh, <laughs> I love this game. Uh, it's not a six, so you know, but it is a great game. It is a five, and I I love to play it. I and I am excited about that as well. So I won't I won't trump it and the what everybody else said. Is is that mean we have to say Chad was right? God, I hate it when no, we have to say what did, Chad What was did right. he give for him? So, well, which, know which I think you can right. get for him for a ham sandwich now. <laughs> did he rate for him a five or a six? A five. I, I did not it rate it a six. Let's see. Well, I mean, a five is a five, a... and he gave City of the Big Shoulders a four. Boy, Richie, we might need to find a new person. Hey, I, I still like um, City of the Big Shoulders, too. All right, so let's see what some of our punch bunch at the guild, at guild 3227, have to say about Newton when we asked him. Yeah, so Aaron Schmidtkin said, Newton has a special place in my collection. Last year was my first visit to Gen Con, and I managed to pick up one of the few copies they had available at the show. At the time, it was virtually unknown, and it turned out to be a hidden gem. Easily one of the highlights of the convention for me. I love the variety of the mechanisms and gameplay. It's so fun to try a different strategy every time. I enjoy it two to four players, and it continues to feel exciting every time we get it to the table. I'd rate it a five out of six. It's definitely a contender for my top 10 of all time, but I think it falls just short. Still a truly amazing game. And Joe Farrell said, I have close to 20 plays of Newton, so obviously I like it quite a bit. There are some unique and interesting mechanisms in the card play that I really enjoy, and there's enough variability to keep the game from getting stale. There aren't many games in my modest collection that have as little player interaction as Newton does, and sometimes that feels like a mark against the game. But it has an upside, too, because you can plan so many turns into the future, the game moves very quickly with players who know what they're doing. Sometimes my wife and I want to play a weightier game but don't have two hours to kill, and Newton falls into that niche perfectly. I do wish the rule book were a little clearer there are a lot of subtle subtle timing questions that come up and once or twice i've seen one of the designers respond to a rules question on bgg in a way that seems to contradict the text which leads me to wonder if there are some translation issues or something i'd give it a solid four or maybe a low five on the punchboard scale uh, so i think they've echoed kind of a lot of our thoughts that we just talked about i think yeah. we're kind of in sync with our punch punch on this one yeah i would agree. definitely yeah it's a great game if you haven't played it you should seek it out for sure yeah, 100%. All right. So we we just finished with our BGG Top 100. We, we went through 100 through 1 and kind of gave, you know, whether we'd played it, what we thought of the game, you know, type of thing, and kind of what our favorites was of each 10. So, And people seem to really like it, and they want us to, to go on. But before we go on, we figured, you know what? When we captured that Top 100, it's changed since then. So we thought, well, we better go check and see what has now entered the top 100 that we've missed, because otherwise we won't catch those games. Um, and then we can, well, we'll kind of talk about the ones that dropped out, obviously, when we kind of get there. So, Richie, you you took a lot of time today at work to stop working so you could take <laughs> care of this. What are the games that dropped out of the, or excuse me, that, that have entered the top 100 since we last, since we captured that? I just want to make it clear, it. It took me, I, I did do it at work, <laughs> but it took about five minutes throwing oh, it into an Excel sheet. Uh, you know, whatever. So, <laughs> anyways, uh, I'm going to start with, you want me to start from the bottom and go up as far as the where they entered at? 
Or start at the top and come down? Uh, start at the top and come down. All right. Yeah. So the highest game to make it in, and so this is August 21st when we uh, when I captured this. So the highest game to come in uh, since we've done it is number 40, and that is Wingspan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a huge that jump was, for that yeah, game. Yeah, huge jump for that Elizabeth game. Hargrave and Stonemeyer Games. And, and that ended up winning the Spiel des Jahres this year. Or not, the, the, the Kenner. Kenner the Kenner. The Kenner, yeah. Um, yeah, solid game. I mean, we have reviewed it, so uh, you know our thoughts on the game. Yeah, we gave it pretty high marks. Um, yeah, I mean, this is this is uh, part of the the Stonemeyer machine. I think that's it benefits from that, you know. And so I, I, it's a it's a good good game. Um, I, I was surprised that it cracked the the. Uh, Top 100, but I think there's a lot of newness to it still, and and so I think it yeah, benefits from I'll that. Be, I'll be interested to see where in a couple of years where it eventually because I think I was a little high on it to start with. I mean, I think that's another game that I'm gonna maybe drop a little bit in. Just you know, I mean, it's a fine game, but oh, yeah. it, you know, and it's mm-hmm. it looks good and it, it's a solid. I think it's a great gateway game. I think it is definitely you know maybe a gateway plus, but I think it's a great game to get new people into the hobby as opposed to, you know, stoic-looking people from the 17th century <laughs> on the, on the Are you trying so. to get stoic-looking li- stoic 17th century people into board games? Well, I, I would, yeah, sure. <laughs> That's what I would do with my Bill and Ted's right, time machine. Next. Well, I would say it is going to get an expansion, so that will probably only help it, and it may climb higher. That's yeah, That, that could be so. true. We'll have to see. All right, next uh, is number 81, and that is Aeon's End. Ooh, uh, this one, I don't think any of us have Aeon's End uh, experience. Have you Have you played it, Richie? You'd be the one I'd expect to play it. I uh, bought it, I didn't play it, and I sold it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is this, I believe, one of our local listeners, yes, Richard? Yes, Richard. And this that's, is his favorite game. Yeah, right? and or that's why I sold close. it, because if I'm going to play it, I'm going to play it with Richard, and he has everything for it. So I mean everything. Mm. And and the designer on this, by the way, is Kevin Riley, and it comes from Action Phase Games and Indie Boards and Cards. But I think, if I remember right, the, it was a deck builder, right? And, and, yes. And it matters how you play your cards down, doesn't yes. it? Yes, and it's uh, cooperative yep. as well. Yep. Ooh, about 47 strikes right there. <laughs> okay, what's next? The <laughs> next one is 83, and I'm going to let Chad say this so that way Michelle is happy. <laughs> I, know this I did is. not know that this came in already. Teotihuacan, City <laughs> of Gods, uh, and that's from Danielle Tashini and Boards and Dice. Hmm. Yeah, Interesting. And that's, I mean, another one that just got an expansion that probably helped it as well. Yeah, I, I, I didn't put that in my bag tonight, but I thought about it. I know... Yeah, I've only asked it. Yeah, that's what we all want to play that. And you don't bring it. (laughs) You're like, ha ha, I have it. You guys don't. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's exactly what I'm doing. (laughs) All right, what's next? All right, next is another game that we reviewed. uh, Number 86, Architects of the West Kingdom. Wow, that surprises me that that's broken into the top. It got a, got a lot of love. It got a lot of love. Our review of this is one of our most listened to episodes, actually. Wow, that just—I mean—that yeah. just surprises me. I mean, I'm, it's it's an okay game. It's not top one hundred. It's got great art. I mean, Mihalo Dmitrievsky is has great. I mean, it, it's from Garpill Games and Shim Phillips and S.J. McDonald. So so does the Louvre have great art, but that doesn't make it in the top one hundred <laughs> of Board Game Geek. Well, I that think was pretty good dis- though. Hey, you got to give me that one. There's some disqualifiers <laughs> for that, but okay. <laughs> But it, it probably makes it in the top 100 for art museum. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Shut up. 
right. And then the uh, last one that's new to the top 100 is number 97, and that is Too Many Bones, which I, I've seen reviews for it, and it looks like there's a lot of dice, a lot of dice rolling, uh, but that's all I know. And that is cooperative, too, I believe. That's from uh, yeah. Josh J. Carlson and Adam Carlson and Chip Theory Games. And this is these are famous for being, I mean, these games, if you see them at conventions, they're blinged out. Most of these Kickstarter games are, you know, they got game mats that you can fit the dice into and stuff. It's, it's a lot of, I think it's kind of um, the same system, it seems like, and I, maybe I'm speaking out of turn, the same system, it seems like, almost as what... Uh, claustrophobia does with assigning dice to certain actions kind of in trying to manipulate the dice in different ways right hmm. interesting um obviously no no desire to play it haven't played it i mean i might try the reviews that i saw look like there was just too many rules for what you're doing hmm. like i if i'm going to be chucking dice i don't want oh you know a bunch of rules to get in my way of destroying things and throwing dice around i don't know where it fits okay. on the louvre scale but i like the art <laughs> Well, uh, <laughs> it's it's more of a Nelson Art Gallery. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, right. yeah. Now, do we want to talk about the five that fell out real quick? Just just run through them? Or do we want to hit them on our way back Let's down? I guess we'll down. hit them on the way back okay. down. So, okay, that'll be interesting when, when we come across those and see what has fallen out. So. And thanks to everybody yeah. that responded, by the way, uh, and said we want to hear more yeah. of, of, of the... So, 100 and after so right so we'll do a capture here tonight or whatever we'll do 101 through 200 and uh we'll just start so we're going to start at 200 and work our way down to 101 or let's just go back from 101 down just work so we're starting yeah. at 101 and we'll just work our way back down uh yeah so that'll be fun good All time right. Yeah. And while we're on the subject, uh, if you have any questions for us or for Richie's mailbag, make sure to shoot us at uh, an email at punchboardparadise at gmail.com. Incidentally, that's where you can send your email if you've already written an iTunes review for us, too. And, of course, we're on Twitter at punchboarders. We're on Instagram at Punchboard Paradise, And we have a Facebook page, Punchboard Paradise. I don't know about you, Richie, but I, I still, I'll still think about Clef in those parachute pants. I want to get something up on our Instagram and see Clef in parachute pants. <laughs> I know. That, I mean, like little, I would love little that. Clef. Can you, yeah. Can you even buy parachute pants anymore? I don't think so. Maybe. Yeah. They're starting, like, 90s fashion is back yeah, that's right true. now. That's so maybe, true. maybe in maybe a couple soon. years. Maybe oh, yeah, yeah. it'll make a comeback. Bring yeah. some. Man, I'm buying a pair for sure. <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> some fingerless gloves. Get out your cardboard. Oh, man. Oh, it's, it's all coming back to the 80s. I love it. <laughs> Oh, guys, we better get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> hey, everybody, thanks so much for listening. Yeah, we really, really appreciate it. Everybody have a great night. Thanks for listening. three games once so I, I you'd think you'd think you would think that i spilled water on chad's ipad <laughs>